Welcome to another episode of the Misadventures of an Inspired Woman podcast. Today, our guest is Naya the Creative. Naya is a brand therapist who works with nine to fivers to develop their career brands and get more opportunities and money at work and to get more respect and clout in their industries. She helps freelancers, solopreneurs, and creatives use their brands to make stronger and more lucrative connections with the right audiences. And she helps companies who are struggling to hire the right people use their employer brands to attract the right talent. Naya is also the founder of Side Hustle Business School, a company which teaches creatives and people with big ideas how to turn their crafts into businesses. Welcome, Naya. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. It's good to see you. I sound like a a real grown-up. It's good to see you, too. Listen... Uh, we made it out of 2020. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure that was going to happen. Uh, yeah. Though everybody I know is calling this month, uh, December, what are we on? December 42nd or something crazy like yeah, that. Yep, yep, yep. It sounds about right. <laughs> it sounds about right and it feels about right. But I met Naya in 2019 when I was doing a, I was doing a class at Freelancers Hub on social media, how to use social media. But it coincided with me also doing a Kickstarter to raise funds for my documentary. And so it was perfect timing because I actually had something to practice on. Right. Like I actually like all the tips that you gave in the classes. And it was like, was it like a four week class? It was like once a week for like a couple weeks. Five weeks. We did like every the same day every week in August and it worked out to be five weeks. Right. So every yeah. week and I was literally raising money those 30 days in August. So every week I would try the things that we were learning in class and I made my goal. So that was really great. Um, and she's just like really bright, really dope. Um, reached out to her for some more um guidance because she is a brand therapist and y'all know I'm trying to figure this thing out. I always tell people that I'm always trying to figure this thing out. And I don't I'm not I'm not a specialist, right? Like I'm not an expert in all things branding and marketing and social media. So I try to reach out to folks who actually know what they're doing and I try to implement it as much as I can. So I reached out again and then we around that time I was doing a 30-day writing challenge. And I invited you to join my friends because I thought it would be dope mm-hmm. to do that. And we ended up going for like 60 days. And even now we check in every once in a while with it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a really, I mean, it was a fantastic idea and great timing for me. Um, it was right in during lockdown. And I was on these very weird time zone things because I live in Thailand. Yes. And um just being able to connect with people in the U.S. and still have some sense of like, it, it anchored my day, even though it was so much later for me. It was really useful to have something that I, like something that happened at the same time every day that I had to be there for, that I had a commitment to, that, you know, I could plan to get things done at that time. It was super, super helpful. I had a great time. Yeah, because I remember you being like, oh, I just came from back from outside. And it was weird because <laughs> it's like... Eight o'clock in the morning for us here on the East Coast, where, where most people were. Yeah, everybody was pretty much in New York. But it was like seven o'clock at night where you were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'd be having yep. dinner. Or like, it's just like... <laughs> 
I mean, to be fair, some days it was closer to breakfast because I was, I was sleeping in. I was working really late. I was going to sleep most days at around between 3 and 5 a.m. at mm-hmm. that time anyway. So, yeah, it helped me not to let the day get away from me. Okay, so what, how Thailand? <laughs> I mean, if you want to know the truth, truth, um, Thailand because of the food and then everything else, second, third, fourth, and fifth. Um, so I, I travel quite a bit. It's just part of, of who I am, I guess, at this point in my life. And I travel most places because of the food. If it's not for somebody's birthday or family, then I am flying for food. That's, it just comes down to that. And Thai food has been my favorite food for most of my life. So that's how I even ended up here in the very first place. The first time I came to visit back in like 2016. And I'd come back again after that. And my sister was the one who said, you know, I think you really like this city. You're going to like end up living here one day. And I was like, no, like not doing that. She said that in 2018. Mm. Fast forward to 2019, me here with three suitcases and a backpack later looking for an apartment. <laughs> So, um, so she was right. Don't tell her I said that. Just she was right. Um, even well before I knew that I had, you know, the intention to live here at all. It wasn't in my plan. But at the time of my life that I actually moved, it was like there were so many things changing. You know, I was living with one of my best friends and she moved and I was just open to now being other places. And I thought, you know, I don't have to stay in Brooklyn. I don't have to stay in New York. I don't have to stay in this country. And mm-hmm. once I started thinking like that, it really just opened up the world to me. I only planned to stay here for a few months. And then the Rona was like, watch this. <laughs> um, so I've, I'm still here longer than I thought I would be. But, you know, once I started, you know, I've worked remotely the entire time I've had my business. So it just it's thinking about where to live. I realized I was so used to moving somewhere relatively close to somewhere I had lived or to people that I knew. And this time I was just like, why am I going to do that? Let me just not have winter. So I came here. So now you've been in Thailand for over a year, but you've always sort of, you've always sort of like worked and traveled and your base being New York. You've always, what, how are you able, how were you able to do that? Is it because of the business that you do? Well, yes and 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 yes, because <laughs> I started my business so that I could be mobile. So mm-hmm. I started my business at the top of 2016. In fact, uh, I am 10 days into I think year five, if I can count properly. Um, mm. And I forgot to celebrate. So I owe myself a celebration. Yes. Um, so there were so many things happening in 2015 that made me realize I, this was my chance. This was my chance to, to start a business for myself to really, really do this thing. I had started side hustles for years and I'd always found a way to make a dollar if I needed to, to flip something or do something. Right. But I was working the nine to five. I did the things they said to do. I went to school I got the degrees because I went back to school. I moved to London. I got the advertising job. I made what the people were telling me was good money. I didn't think it translated to good money, but people were telling me it was good money. So, you know, I was making those pounds, right? Pounds are bigger than dollars. So I was really doing it. And I was stressed. And it was not because my work was hard. Um, It's not because my team was difficult. I had a great team. I was working in tech. I was a, a web developer. I was working on a predominantly male team. And despite the stories that some people have had, I had a great experience working with them. It was well supported. Um, 
but the corporate dynamics were not healthy for me. There are a lot of things, pomp and circumstance and formalities that I don't care about. And I struggled enough with the idea of how corporate America worked. Then you put me in corporate Britain and that was just the next level (laughs) of like passive aggressive, tiptoe behavior. And I'm like, I'm too direct for Americans. I am entirely too direct for Brits. So it was just not working out. And I came to a a point where I had to make a decision. Um, I was following all the steps to like get to buy a house, get a mortgage and do those things. But in order to play the numbers game properly, I needed to get a promotion or raise or whatever. And that meant I had to play the game at my job to get this raise and enough, like in the short amount of time that I needed it to, to get the mortgage that I wanted, or I'd had to leave and get a new job to get the numbers. Right. Because I had been saving, but the numbers just didn't add up for Mm -hmm. a thing to be like, yeah, we'll give you with like no credit history here, mortgage, like, sure. Right. Um, But that hit me like that means I have to play this game and you hate this game. And if you get a mortgage, you're going to be stuck for years. However many years, even if it's five years, can you stomach doing this lifestyle for five more years? I couldn't. And then a couple of things happened in my family that made me realize not only is it too much to be committed to this job, it's too much to be committed to this one location. Mm. Um, my niece was born and she was born very premature. And that meant I needed, I wanted to be in New York. Um, I was also, you know, very responsible for my brother who was living in London and I needed to be there, but I wanted to be across back and forth across the ocean. Like it was the Hudson river. And that wasn't going to work when you got a full-time job and you're in this different time zone. And I needed to be able to work from my laptop. And after, without going into too much detail, because mm-hmm. I know we've got like a time constraint, but I was doing so much supporting um, in my family in the years that had led up to th- that very moment that I realized if I don't take this chance on me now, I will sign up for something or I will end up in something that keeps it from being the right time. And though it Mm. didn't feel like the perfect moment, I couldn't see a better moment coming up anytime soon. And I could see that I had had so many worse moments behind me. So it was just it was just time. How I mean, it sounds like you there would be just like a slew of feelings and emotions and thoughts during this process? (laughs) There were, um, but they weren't the like panic, I'm about to lose everything kind of thoughts that I think most people think or have when they're considering working for themselves. They, They look and they see they have so much to lose. And I was looking at my life and I was in my 20s taking care of somebody in their 20s. It was difficult. Um, I wanted the freedom to navigate the world, but I had already been so busy taking care of, you know, my family responsibilities that I wasn't even making time to date properly. So, you know, so I've got like, I'm, you know, dealing, doing all this stuff, um, just trying to be like the best sister I can be. Um, I want to be a great friend. I want to be a good enough employee to not get fired, but it's just taking up my day and I'm exhausted. And I feel like I've been doing this for years and years and I hadn't been. Um, so one, I felt like I have a lot to gain in terms of at the very least my time and my freedom. Um, then it became my health and my happiness. I found Mm. myself in the doctor's office one night having this doctor run all sorts of tests on me to find nothing wrong. I knew Mm. it was stress. I just really wanted it to be something else because I knew what I had to do if it was stress. 
And I did not know how I was going to tell my family that I was about to give up this good job that I got that everybody was so happy about. I didn't I didn't know I was going to have that conversation. I didn't know how to justify it with something that was not a sure thing. Mm -hmm. But when I was thinking about what other people thought, which is not my style to let that play so much into my decision making, but I'm thinking about what people think thinking about how much effort I had put into trying to get, you know, my brother situated and get him a happy life. Um, when I'm thinking about all these, these decisions I'm making based on how they affect other people, I was feeling like I was being the extra in a movie that was supposed to be about me. Mm. And when I had those realizations, there was nothing else for me to do but this. There was there was no other time because if things had gone, you know, right, I kept the job or I got a better job and I got the mortgage and I got the house. Next, you, you date, you get married, you have kids. I'd just be looking up, for, looking for more responsibilities that have to do with other people. There wasn't going to come a point where I was really just doing something for me. If I started to make more decisions that were more beneficial for somebody else than they were for me. And it's not to say that I regret anything that I had done because I hadn't. But I could see I was just giving away myself. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, there was something I knew I wanted to be doing. And even though I didn't know how to do it, I had just done a lot of things for other people that I didn't know how to do when I started. And I thought this might be the time to do that thing for you. So I wasn't as scared of trying as I was scared of failing after having a sure thing. But I knew that I was failing myself already. That makes any sense. It makes complete sense that that's so much knowledge and wisdom and encouragement. I think for anyone that is just sort of like it's so easy to end up living your life for others. And and I think I was I don't know where I was talking about this. Maybe it was on Clubhouse Girl. Um <laughs> Between my days just running together and being in these random conversations on Clubhouse or listening in, it's it's crazy. But the whole, this whole, and I love my night to vibe. I I love what I do. So even with everything, and I think that, that that makes a difference for a lot of people with everything that I do besides that. A lot of people are like, oh, are you looking to eventually? And I'm like, I love what I do. It's, it's, you know. But one thing that I'm very aware of that I see a lot of people doing is that they give so much to their jobs and they give so much to their family or their friends or or organizations. Because even sometimes we have these conversations about people at churches and volunteer organizations that they have nothing left to put into themselves to nurture something that they love, like a business, to nurture their ideas and their creativity. They literally have nothing left. Yeah, you you can quickly pour yourself into other things and and other people and other causes because everything is so worthy of somebody's time, right? Mm -hmm. This cause is worthy of somebody's time. This person needs help. And and I am surrounded by women who say or think or feel or act on the, if it's not me, who's going to do it? If I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And I was, you know, I was in that situation myself, right? I'm only a couple years older than my brother. So to have to be the primary person responsible for making decisions for him, Mm -hmm. it was very clear to me that if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Or if I don't do it, somebody who is either overburdened already or not quite as, you know, 
skilled in my brother's needs and what's going on in his world will end up doing this. And is that really the best possible scenario here? So it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so easy to give and to give and to, but it's also easy to run out. And I think a lot of people that I know are so used to being able to give from what feels to be an endless well, and it's not. And when we get to the bottom and we start scraping the bottom, I don't think we always realize that we're at the end of our rope. I don't think we always realize that the the ways we're reacting and the things that we're feeling and the things that are happening in our worlds are a result of being burnt out, completely spent. You know, I don't think it always hits us. And when you run up on that, at least in my case, when you run up on that and you don't realize that's what's going on, super confusing if you're used to always having Uh, you know, a full cup or a cup with enough in it that there's always a sprinkle, you know, Mm -hmm. to give to somebody. Wow. It can be tough. That's so good. That's so good. And, and for you to come to these realizations, I think at such a young age, I just feel like a lot of people, if they come to these realizations, because some people (laughs) never do, if they come to this realization, it's usually, it's usually at a much older age, but you had a lot of responsibility from very young. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure that has everything to do with it. You know, even even when I was younger, I was like an annoying. Uh, I think I was an annoying teenager to my friends because I did not do the things that teenagers do all the time. I did some stuff, but I mean, I really was not gonna be the lesson in an after school special. It just wasn't <laughs> likely. I wasn't. I wasn't doing anything that was gonna get me in trouble because I felt like I had seen so many people make bad decisions that affected other people. Mm. I never really used to feel like those dangerous decisions that you make just affect you. And I Mm -hmm. think that was instilled in me very early and probably not always for the right reason. So when I saw my friends doing things that were kind of risque, I was like, yo, like (laughs) you you think it's all about you? Like when this goes left, do you know how many people are going to be affected by this thing? You're not going to be able to keep this secret. You're not going to be able to like pull this off. And what if this happens? And what if that happens? So I think I, I, you know, maybe to a fault sometimes think about what what are all the bad things that can happen when you make a decision that most decisions are. But when you make a decision that doesn't just affect you. Yeah. Right. So when I was looking at these risks, you know, what people think are risky decisions, like starting a business, I was already thinking about what are the bad things that can happen? What would it take for me to run out of money? What would happen? What am I going to get sued? Like, what are. What are the things that I need to consider that could make this a disaster? What would it look like if this blew up in my face? And I think those things didn't look as bad as what would happen if I imploded. And mm. that's where I felt like I was heading, even though I knew I hadn't been in the you know traditional nine to five world very long. Like I loved my work, but I did not love my nine to five. I didn't love having a nine to five. Nine to five, those are not my best hours in any time zone. Um, <laughs> I loved my work. But my nine to five was getting in the way of me doing my work to the best of my ability. And that Mm -hmm. for me was the real problem. Yeah, that's so good. So, so many things. I'm thinking as you're talking about teenage you and all of that, I'm like, oh, yeah, (laughs) your script makes complete sense now. Um, The script that you... (laughs) Because somewhere in that script, like I hear and now that you're saying this, I'm like, that's that voice that's talking to all of these characters in there. Like, what are you doing? That that's how I feel. 
But during our 30 day <laughs> challenge, uh, Naya was working on a script for uh, a pilot. Um, but we just loved, I just loved sure. reading it. We just loved reading it. And we were just like, when's the next episode coming out? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had had that show on my mind. I have a couple of scripts in my mind uh, that have been on my mind for a while. And I think the reason that one felt like it was time to write it or at least start it was because the show takes place entirely in these characters' phones, Right. And we were at a moment where never before had we had to be at a distance from one another, right? Like I was used to being at a distance from people because I'd lived in other countries from people that I was close to. And you know, this is not the first time that I've done this, but the whole world was isolated from one another. And we were purely interacting with each other through our phones. So it was just, that was a daily reminder. Like you should put this on script, like put this on paper, go ahead and write it. And at the time I felt like, okay, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I'm not. <laughs> During lockdowns, people were so bored and so upset to be in the house, right? And like I had been working from home or from my laptop for years at this point, right? So being home all the time was not a big deal to me and I'm a homebody, so it's okay. But people were so bored that they had nothing to do with their time. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I was busier than I had ever been because at the beginning of 2020, I wasn't taking on any clients. I was only working with the clients I already had and like graduating them out. I wasn't bringing anybody new on. Right. So I was like really trying to get my head together, get focused, organize some stuff. So I was like in a groove with that. And then lockdown hit and I got super busy. I mean, mm. people were just trying to figure out what to do with themselves, trying to figure out um, how to launch the business, how to keep the business afloat, whatever it was they were doing. I started partnering with people and in different time zones. Right. So I was crazy busy. So having this like hour a day to just write and, you know, put this project down was like it was a dream because I was not I would not have made the time to do it you know, for any other reason. And it's been on my mind that it was so timely. You know, I was really happy, really happy to, to do that. I was crazy busy and going to sleep at ridiculous, ridiculous hours. I think, yeah, that's interesting. I think as a lot of people have talked about the world slowing down and folks losing jobs or losing clients, I think for a business like yours, things really picked up. I think especially since you have so much flexibility in your moving around. So I have so many questions about the business. So first explain to folks like, well, before we get there, I kind of, I have one question I wanted to ask you as you brought up teenage Naya, what, what (laughs) sorts of things or lessons or as you think about your younger life, what do you think propelled you or prepared you to be at, to make that decision when you got to that place? Like, are there, are there things, like, cause even the idea of having your own business, you played around with it, like at this, as a side thing, but that's not something that comes like second nature to a lot of people. A lot of people will do things and don't realize that they can monetize it or that they can, it can be a whole business. So you made a face. Okay. All right. Well, you see, teenage Naya was a hustler. And I mean, teenage Naya's hustle was, was maybe even harder than adult Naya's hustle. Because like I said, I moved here for the food. Food is a very big driving factor in my life. And one of my 
strongest hustles in high school. It was freshman year in high school. I had to set the stage. I went to a high school that had a middle school in the building, and I had. And where where did you go to high school? I went to high school in New Jersey. Okay. High school in Jersey City. So I had a middle school. I went to middle school in this building and then I went to high school in this building. And so I already knew the literal lay of the land and I knew the security guards. Like I knew the building. My face was familiar and I was tall for my age. So some of the people who worked in the building probably thought I was a high school student already because they had seen me around for years. Right. Um, so in the very beginning of this school year, I decided I wanted to order Chinese food for lunch. I had a little change in my pocket. I was ready to place an order, but I'm familiar with ordering food, right? So I know you got to have a, a minimum. There's not going to be a delivery fee if you meet that minimum. So I can't just order my little one dish. I got to get other people involved. So I started talking it up with the other freshmen, you know, who didn't know the school as well as I did, you know, put a little buzz out there. And in the first day, you know, I got a few people to order. Everybody paid me. And fast forwarding, I did this for an entire school year. Now, ordering food, not a big deal, right? Well, I knew the menu, so I knew how much things cost. I knew what came free with the different tiers. If you order 10 versus if you order $20, you'll get a free egg roll or a free soda or free whatever. So things that people were paying me for to get because they wanted to make sure they got a soda with their meal, I knew I could pocket that money that they had given me for that because I knew what was coming (laughs) free, right? So I had my own little system that I was like collecting this money to the point where I was ordering food on days I didn't have. I came to school with no money and I knew I was going to eat and I knew I was going to eat what I wanted to eat because I knew how many orders were going to come in. I had already worked the system enough. Even on the days I didn't make enough money, I knew I could get the free soups that came with the meals that nobody (laughs) wanted that I really liked. So I had like a whole hustle going on, but I was literally hustling to eat. Now I got school lunch. I could have had that, but I was playing sports after school. I had things eating at 11 15 was not going to get me through until four 30 in the evening. Right. That wasn't going to mm-hmm. cut it. So I had to make sure I was like eating and I ate like a growing teenager still eat like a growing teenager. <laughs> anyway. So, you know, I was, I mean, I was hustling and there was a point in that where somebody tried to steal my hustle. Like legit tried to steal my hustle. She saw I was pocketing money. She was like, oh, I could do that. Mind you, I didn't even have a cell phone to place these orders. Like I had to use the phone in the gym or I borrowed somebody's phone. Like I was really hustling and scrambling. Had to order by a certain time to make sure the food came on time because everybody would be pissed if they didn't. I had teachers in on some of these orders. Like this was, (laughs) I was the original Grubhub, okay? I was placing these orders. It was like, I was really out here like being the Chinese food plug. But then people wanted to order stuff some days that was more expensive than Chinese food. They want to order Domino's. They want to order from this place. And that was going to cut my money because people didn't want to pay. They want to calculate tax and delivery fee. They just want to pay for their food. Mm. So this person decides she's going to try to steal my hustle. Okay. I get mad, but something tells me like, let this rock. So I let her go for a couple days and then it comes the day they want to order Domino's. I said, Back, I don't say nothing because when I order Domino's for people, I keep the coupons that I already had because I know we're not going to cut this. We still 14. We're not cutting it. Okay, so we need these coupons. We need deals. I need to talk people up to get these like, you know what? I think you should go in with this person on a half of pepperoni. I know you want chicken, but you should get pepperoni because I only got coupons for pepperoni. Okay, so um, they, the day comes. She has to order this food and she doesn't realize it's tax. It's tip. And they're always late. 
right? So whatever people gave her is not going to be enough. It's going to come late. If you argue with the dude and you don't have enough money, it's going to cut into lunchtime because you only have 40 minutes. You're going to piss off everybody if you get this wrong. But she wanted to do this by herself because this is her little hustle. She lost money that day. She had to go and get money from other people who had already paid. The thing came late. The food was cold. People were pissed. (laughs) She quit after that. I didn't have to do anything. I just had to sit there and shut up. That was my best lesson. Don't say nothing. Sometimes just don't say nothing. Business was back the next day. Everything was fine. I wrote that out the entire school year because freshmen were not allowed to leave the building for lunch, but we thought we were grown, so we should have grown food. Mm. I love it. So, <laughs> oh, so, I mean, I've been hustling, you know, and that same year, what was it that same year? Maybe later. We took the PSATs. And a few days before, maybe a couple of weeks before, I had gone out with my mom and we went to Staples randomly and boxes of pencils were like eight cents. I was like, say less for a bunch of those because I knew a standardized test was coming. Boxes of pencils were like eight cents. I'm sure I was selling them like 50 cents a piece, three or four a dollar or something like that at the SAT sharpened or whatever. Like I was always doing a little hustle. So again, like finding a way to make a quick dollar wasn't a big deal to me. Um I always felt like I had to be able to make my own money because I wasn't Mm -hmm. always sure where it was going to come from, how much it was going to get. I never wanted to be in a situation where I couldn't figure out how to eat or how to get money. And I don't know why Mm -hmm. I was so afraid that I would run out of food in life, but I never (laughs) wanted to find out that I was going to run out of food. So the ability to make money, to generate income has always been important to me. So how did you, how did the name Maya the Creative come about? Was that before or after you formed the business? It was before. It was well before. Um, That name came about at the, maybe in the middle of graduate school. So I was setting up a website. I was really against having a business or anything with my name in it. I was really, really against this. And I could not figure out what to name what was going to be, I think, my design business at the time. And I hadn't graduated yet. But yeah. So your undergrad, you you did what in your undergrad? Undergrad, I was a radio, television, and film major. Okay. I, yeah. Um, And then for graduate school, you did what? I studied publications design. Okay. So talk to me about that transition from undergrad to graduate school. Like, how did you make that decision? Woo! That year between those two schools was hell. For me, it was probably the lowest I had ever felt about myself, the most disappointed I had ever been in myself. Um, I was I had a really hard time that year and I had no intention of going to that graduate school. In fact, in undergrad, I had no intentions of going to grad school until there was this one program. There was a writing program um, a TV writing program, actually, I had considered it was very new and I didn't get in. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to go. But when I like I kind of just applied on a whim, but then I didn't get in and I was all like, boy, like that little back pocket, maybe option didn't pan out. Like maybe I should figure some things out. Um, And I don't know that I wanted to be a TV writer, but it wasn't the first time an opportunity like that had presented itself. Mm -hmm. Like I had made it to the final round of Chris Rock's comedy writing program and like totally bombed that interview. I was so nervous about I I had a lot of um, just internal 
conflict about that that whole program and I did not do well in the interview and I, I mean I literally went to the interview and talked about everything but writing I said all of the wrong things and I knew I was saying them when I was saying them um, so but I don't so I don't think my heart was really in that or I was just terrified but when I look back I don't feel like I missed anything I don't feel yeah. like I should go back and try it like yeah I I don't think I was supposed to do that. Yeah. No, it wasn't for you. So what, 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 where did that sense of disappointment come from during that year? That sort of, that transitional year So I went to college, one, to get out of my house. Um, And everybody I felt went to college to go get their job. You go to college, you put in your four years, you graduate, you get a job, you live the rest of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get the job, whatever the job was, I was supposed to get, I didn't get it. And I know, I knew to an extent, but I'm very clear now that I did not go to college to get a job. I know that that's what college is for, but that's not what I went there to do. I went there to figure out what I wanted to do for those years. And I think mm-hmm. I graduated without truly figuring out a thing that I really wanted to do. I just found a couple of things that I could do. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking at my friends who had graduated and gotten good jobs or, or went to the military or graduated with no jobs, but then within a few weeks of being wherever they moved to ended up with a job, I was like, well, what about me? Like I, everybody was rooting for me. Everybody believed in me. I went to school. I finessed a scholarship or three and like, and now I don't got a job and I'm like living in somebody else's house. Like I was what I considered to be the ultimate scrub. And I could not figure out what I could do to get out of that hole. And I was applying for jobs that I thought made sense for me that either didn't work out or I really needed to not have because I went to them and did not last long. Um, They were just like, I was just so disappointed in myself because this was not what after college was supposed to look like for me. This was not what I thought it was going to be. It's not what other people were banking on it to be for me. And I couldn't have felt any more lost. And I Mm -hmm. found one little light at the end of the tunnel to kind of get me out of that funk. And I was going to move to Korea um, and teach English. And I got a job and that got me out of my dump. Like Mm -hmm. I was finally happy and excited again. And it was something to look forward to. But before I went, I got into the graduate program that I ended up going to. And I just, I had stumbled upon the program. I was doing this like sort of internship that year to get me back into like the media space. And I realized I liked what I was doing. I liked designing. I liked putting together, you know, working on marketing, but I didn't feel like I had the right education for it or to get into advertising properly right? I was in this like advertising sales space. I wasn't really like advertising publishing, but I wasn't in creative and I wanted Mm -hmm. to be there. So I found this program and it just spoke so much to me. And when I got into that, I decided I wasn't going to Korea. I was going to go to this program. And that really did change the trajectory of, of all the things that I did afterwards. Wow. Wow. So you, that's when you were in grad school, you came up with the name for your website. Yeah. So I, at the time, I just wanted to be a creative in advertising, whether it was a designer or a writer, I preferred copywriting, but like at the time I was groomed, I was being groomed. I felt like as an all around creative with a strong emphasis in writing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I wanted people to know me as. I'm Naya, the creative. It was, you know, I thought it was pretty straightforward and um, almost a little uh, bold 
to, to call myself the creative, but instead of trying to decide if I was the copywriter, or the designer, just she's the creative, just give her something creative to do and she'll figure it out. It's kind of just what I wanted people to think. I love it. I love it. So now you, you're figuring out, you're leaving this job, you're going to do this business. What's those first couple of steps look like and feel like? Ooh, <laughs> Your facial expressions. Mess, but that's not true. <laughs> I know. I know whoever's not watching this, only listening to this, like you're only getting a piece of the show because my face tells no, way more yeah. stories than I could ever tell. Your facial expressions, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so I want to say it was a mess. But it wasn't a mess at the time. I think only retrospectively do I realize that uh, my focus wasn't clear enough. I was onto something good. So my first few days, I guess I left my job in December and I launched my business in the beginning of January. And in those months, I was focusing on writing. I was like, I know that I can teach people things that I know. And I know there are people who want to know the things that I've learned in advertising and they want to learn these things for their own businesses, for their own projects. I was a part, well, I am a part of an artist collective and all of these people I'm surrounded by are amazingly talented and they're like writers and poets and rappers and singers and artists and just all these amazing things, but they didn't really know enough about how to market themselves. If it went beyond posting on social media, that was like the extent of, you know, what they could do. So I learned all these things in my job that I was like, I can show you how to do things, not just you, but really anybody who has something that they want to share with the world. I can show you how to get the word out there. I can teach you the lingo. I can help you understand how to navigate this space, who to hire when people are like, I need a designer. You don't need a designer. You need this. Or you think you need that, but you need this. So I wrote a book. The first thing I did is I wrote an email course, which I then compiled into a book and for five to seven days, I sent out an email explaining a section of advertising, basically. Like, I think it was called who, um, how to hire your digital dream team. There's all the people and all the different professions within the digital space that could help you promote your message. Mm-hmm. So I was talking about different kinds of project managers. I was talking about copywriters and designers, UXers versus UI designers versus web developers and designers. I mean, I was talking about all these different kinds of things and helping people understand who the right people are to work with on certain things and what mm-hmm. kinds of questions you should ask them or what kinds of work you should expect them to do. A pretty candid um, discussion on, on these different areas. So the very first thing I did was I I wrote a book. I had no idea I was going to do that and no intentions of doing that. I had no plan for selling it. I just wanted to share information. I thought the very first thing I should do was was give and start building an audience. And my Mm -hmm. business has taken a completely several different directions between then and now. But that was the very first thing I did was I decided I'm going to start building an audience of people who might actually hire me to do work for them. Wow, that's so smart. <laughs> that is so, Thank you. so smart. Like it just makes sense. So because <laughs> I know sometimes I'm like, I thought I think one time I sent out an email, you were like, this email needs to say this, or this needs to say that. And I'm like, oh, you're right. It should say that. I don't know. <laughs> so so now, so the way that you market yourself, you are a brand therapist. So explain to the people what is a brand therapist. Okay. Whew. So brand therapy. 
when I talk to people, when I, when I'm actually doing my work with them, it usually starts because they have a brand that they want to build or they have something they're selling, which means that, you know, there's a brand around the thing they're selling, whether they realize it or not. And they want to make connections with people. So first you got to understand that businesses are not humans, but they would do better if they were right. Brands are the most human element that a business has, right? The brand determines, you know, is this the mouthpiece for that business, the way they talk, the way they're styled, the way they attempt to communicate or make you feel. That's all in efforts to connect with a human being. And a business is a set of papers in City Hall or something like that. But a brand is actually these, these feelings and these emotions and these feelings and emotions that they evoke in you. Right. So when I'm working with people as a brand therapist, I'm trying to help them develop the personality of this brand that they're going to use to try to connect with human beings. Because that's the point of any brand is to get people to think something or do something, be swayed in one way or another. Right. So your brand is not just your logo. It's not just what you look like. It's truly what you make people feel. Right. Mm -hmm. And you as an individual, you have a brand. Your business has a brand. But more than that, you have infinite brands. You have as many brands as you have people who know you, which is like a whole mind explosion for people who just thought they were going to come to me to talk about one brand. But when you think about it, every single person you interact with thinks about you in a slightly different way, right? Mm -hmm. Going back to like teenage me, teenage me interacted with, you know, her teachers differently than she interacted with her parents differently than she interacted with her friends or her coaches, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that each of those people knew about me or expected from me was slightly different, right? So the jokes I might crack with my friends would be different than the jokes that I'd crack with my parents. Meaning the things that my parents would say about me when I'm not in the room would be different than the things that my teachers might say about me when I'm not in the room or my friends might say about me when I'm not in the room. Each of those is, is a different brand, right? That's a different part of you is a different set of, you know, communication that you might use to connect with people. There are certain, you know, customs and cultures and things that you adapt to that allow you to comfortably be in that space and allow people to welcome you into those spaces, right? So you have as many brands as you have people who know you. And my job as a brand therapist is to get you to use the brand that you're trying to use to connect with the people that you need to make that decision. In most cases, that's your potential customers or your target audience. You want them to believe things about you or you want them to say things about you. You want them to buy from you. Whatever that thing is you want them to do, my job is to make it easier for your brand to get those people to do those things. And the way that you do that, I think, um, and just sort of like the way you left the class that I took and in having conversation with you, I think you really dig down and ask people questions about what is it that they ultimately want in terms of how people experience things and the way that people perceive their product and the way that people interact with their product. Yeah. I think you really dig down into those versus like, how often should you be posting? Like, like you give that information too. like, how often should you be posting? Mm -hmm. What, how the images should look and that kind of thing. But I think you really dig down at a depth that I'm not, I don't know. I've never really worked with another branding person, but when I hear other people talk about branding, they don't talk about it in the same way that you do. Right. And I think for me, my approach to branding is very similar to my approach with, with people when it's not a, a branding or a business situation. Right. I always want to know when somebody's doing something, why, 
what do you want to get out of this situation? What are you doing this for? Right. If you're doing something just to do it, miss me with that because I, I, I can't help you. Like I'm not into to wasting time like that. I'm not into the aimlessness. Like if you're going to take a bold action, you need to know, I need to know why you're going to do it if I'm going to help you, but you need to know why you're going to do it. Because if not, maybe there's something else you should be doing instead. If you don't know why, or if this is not going to get you what you want, let's get you what you want. So let's do this a different way. Right. When people talk about branding, especially people who don't have a real understanding of the power of branding, they're talking about vanity things. They're talking about looks. They're talking about how often you post on social media. They're looking at things that appear to have a strong brand tied to them. And this is the thing. You look at a a strong brand, a well-known brand, a well-established brand. They're going to do those things. They're going to post regularly on social media. Right. They're going to have a good look. Right. They're going to do those things. But they are not just those vapid beings. There is a reason that the things that they're doing work for them, mm-hmm. right? So you, you might ask the question like, well, how often should I post? What time should I post? Sure, you, you want to know that. But you got to know who you're talking to. The time of day that you post, right? The algorithms have changed since that's become, you know, been a thing. So the time of day may not matter as much. But the frequency, right? Mm-hmm. Who are you talking to, Right. If you don't know why you're doing something or who you're trying to reach, then all of the decisions you're going to make about who, like when you post or what you're posting are going to be in vain. It's going to be vain, right? It'll all be vanity because you're doing what it looks like should be done. Mm -hmm. You're not making decisions based on the goals that you have and the people that you're trying to serve. And people don't realize brands serve, right? Brands serve people. They make people feel comfortable making a decision that they might already want to make. And mm-hmm. I mean, I could go on. About I know that. you're just like. Psychology. <laughs> <laughs> like I could go on about that for so long. But what one of the things that I, I use to help people understand this is, you know, when we take um, images out of it, when we take logos and colors and all of that stuff out of it. When I work with people who want to improve their career, so they don't want to start a business, right? Mm -hmm. One of my my favorite um, vehicles for work is when I'm working with women who want to advance their career. So they want to stay in their nine to fives, or they may not want to stay at their job, but they want to stay in the nine to five space. They're happy working for other people. They're happy with what they do. Totally fine. But what's happening is that they're not getting the opportunities they want. So they're not getting promoted or they're not getting, you know, any um, hits when they apply for other jobs or they want to make a a field change. They want to go from one field to another, but they don't have enough quote unquote experience for Mm. that. Right. So that's branding right there. Like a career brand is a thing and making a logo is not going to get you a better job unless your job is to make logos. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so your brand exists, even if you don't have those things, you don't have a logo, you don't have a website, you still have a brand because what, what people think about you, what people say about you, like that is your brand. What people believe about you is your brand. All of the things that you do to make, to, to enhance that look are just going to further convince somebody of the thing you want them to think. If you want them to think that you're eco-friendly, then you'll probably use green in your logo, right? But the goal was to get them to think that you were eco-friendly. So in addition to using green, you have to say things about the environment. You have to put your money towards initiatives for the environment. Like you have to show that you care beyond just throwing green in your logo, right? You can't throw green in your logo and then like, don't do anything paperless, don't recycle. Like that doesn't work, right? That doesn't hold up, okay? So everything that you do visually needs to match what you're saying, but what you want people to believe. So when we're doing career branding, right? We don't always have the luxury to lean on a logo or something like that. 
This means that everything that you say about yourself in your bios and in your interviews, the things that people say when they're, you know, your references, what they're saying about you, any content that you publish, because you can start creating content, start a blog, start a podcast, start delivering this information to establish yourself as a thought leader or as somebody who truly has a grasp of what makes this space work and what this space needs, whatever this field or industry you're in is, right? Anything that you can deliver to further establish that you are the professional that somebody needs to hire, that is going to, one, get you the job and get you more attention, but that's branding right there. And it doesn't matter if you have a logo or a color scheme or a cute website or really pretty graphics, it doesn't matter. All that matters in branding is getting people to believe something. And however you go about doing that, however you go about doing that, and doing it successfully is going to land you results. It doesn't, it doesn't stop at looks at all. And that's why the work that I'm doing with people is therapy, because I have to dig into who they are and help them understand why they're doing what they're doing and how they can best use their own personalities and their skills and all the things that make them great to get what they want. Wow. We all need a brand therapist after that breakdown. And she's clearly very passionate about it. Again, y'all are missing. I'm going to have to throw this up on YouTube at some point um, because y'all are missing all the (laughs) nonverbals. So now you've been in Thailand for over a year. Is this the longest you've ever been in in one place or away from your base? No, I was in London longer than this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now you've been in Thailand for a little over a year. It wasn't planned. Um, You were only going to stay for what, like four months? Yep. And then the world shut down and then you stayed longer and then you moved into this fabulous space (laughs) because you moved since... I didn't move. I feel like, I don't know, like you would be, I like this. I like that this space has color and all of this. I feel like in the other spaces, it it felt smaller and it wasn't as vibrant. Well, I painted these walls. Okay. And there is, well, not blood, but definitely sweat and tears in the paint because (laughs) it took multiple coats. I forgot to prime. I didn't know I lived in a concrete house. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot, I, but I did. I did paint these walls. I love it. I love I didn't, it. I didn't have the option to paint in my last place. And it was definitely much smaller. It was a hotel room size okay. place, like a nice, you know, one bedroom kind of situation. This is a much larger space. It's a whole house. Mm-hmm. Too much for one person. But here I am. Here you are living your best life in Thailand, making all the difference in people's lives as individuals and with their businesses. What's next for Naya? What what are you sort of plotting or working towards if you're well, able to share? I can share. I can share. That's one of the perks of being the boss. I can share. <laughs> um, well, one thing I'm working on now, and I've got a few things, like I've had some realizations. I've been working with some people on some personal projects that are nothing like my work at all, but they're fun and they're creative. Um, But work-wise, one of the things that I'm putting together that I have not announced formally yet anywhere, so breaking news, news. Uh, I am working on a scholarship program 
for women who would like to participate in my accelerator. So I have an accelerator and I'm planning to launch a few others, but I have an accelerator for women who would like to take what they've learned and do in their nine to fives and start a consulting business. And they don't have to leave their jobs. It's not required, but the goal is to teach them how to do that, right? You're thinking about consulting. You kind of want to work for yourself, but you don't know where to start. This Mm -hmm. is where you start. So what I'm planning on doing is offering some scholarships. And by scholarship, I really mean free admission into the program. There may be some partial scholarships, you know, we'll see, but I'm, I'm looking to do that, to launch that pretty soon. And I'm excited about it because one, I mean, I get to help more people, right? I get to help more women. I get to help more black women. Um, and right now, We've been, I mean, I'm in Thailand, right? So we've seen COVID for over a year, right? Mm. So we weren't on lockdown last January, but uh, I do believe I got my temperature taken in public for the first time in January of last year. So we've been dealing with this a lot longer. I know the U.S. is coming up on a year in a couple of months, but we have seen companies that said, oh, you cannot work remotely. You can't go travel and work, blah, blah, blah. Quickly say, stay home, but work right? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, everybody knows how to do remote work. So if you're in the kind of work that allows you to work from home, then you've learned it and you've assessed at this point, whether or not that's something you want to do, right? You now know, do if you even like working for yourself, like working Mm -hmm. on your own kind of, you know, terrain, if you like working on somewhat of your own timeline. Some people think they want to work for themselves and then do this for a little while and realize I don't like myself enough to work for me. (laughs) Right. But I think a lot of people have realized like, you know what, I actually can do this or it's more convenient or I don't want to have to go back outside with those crazies who wear their masks under their nose. That might be the thing. Right. (laughs) Cause I don't, I surely don't. Right. So I want to give women the tools to work from wherever and protect themselves because on top of everything else, right. And this, this scholarship program will probably be open primarily, if not exclusively to black women. Um, We take care of everybody. We take care of ourselves probably last, but we take care of everybody else. We cannot afford to get sick because we got to take care of people. We can't afford to get the people we're taking care of sick. We can't be running around in these streets with the crazies who want to run around talking about this isn't real. I'm not wearing my mask. I'm not doing this. Want to sit next to somebody who sneezes. We don't we don't have those luxuries. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And whether, you know, you have to keep your job or you lost your job. I again and I have always felt this way, as you can tell from my my younger me stories. I firmly believe that everybody should know how to generate a dollar if they have to or if they want to. Whether or not you choose to work for yourself full time, that's up to you. But not knowing how to work for yourself, for me, that's an issue. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's just something people know how to do. You should just know how to do it. Just like you should know how to change a tire. You should know how to generate a dollar. I I firmly believe that. And I am looking forward to teaching people that. And I don't want money to be the reason that they can't make money. Right. Mm Because that's the catch 22. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have the money to take the do the program. So then you can't learn how to make the money. And I'm not that's not hot. So mm-hmm. I'm going to open this up for some, you know, women who are struggling or have some sort of financial situation. Um, there will have there's an application process. It's not going to be too lengthy, but you are going to have to tell us a little bit of something about who you are. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to what, what comes out of that. So where do we and notice I said we where do we sign up for this? <laughs> <laughs> This will likely be at houseofbrandtherapy.com. 
I love it. I love it. And, you know, sometimes there's so many courses and all these different things. But I, like I said, I've taken this. I took this one class with Naya and like she she she's the real deal. So y'all make sure to check that out. Thank you. So now we're going to move to the lightning round. I know you've been looking forward Lord. to that. <laughs> Oh, yes. So much. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So the lightning round is just <laughs> ran, it's random questions. You don't even have to think about it. Just say the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. Ready? Um, <laughs> no, no. What if, is there a way we can? <laughs> no. All right. Let me, let me plug in my computer because, uh, it would be a shame if I got cut off during the lightning round. That'd oh, be- good Lord. No, we don't need that. We do oh, not man. need that. And that would be so terrible. It's so funny. What is your trepidation with the lightning <laughs> round? I don't know. I just don't like spitting things out without getting a chance to think first. But it's fine. It's cool. All we right. can edit, right? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's real easy. So what is your favorite color? purple okay um okay. Your, your favorite your favorite dessert oh food i have to pick one oh what's your cur- okay what's your current favorite what's your current go-to what's the thing that you've been having a lot of lately oreos who is your celebrity crush mm, probably mahersala right now okay mm. <laughs> Again, y'all, the non-verbals. wife I said that. <laughs> Your guilty pleasure. Or. I'm not guilty about it. Okay, okay. Or something that people would be surprised to know about you. Still the same thing. Okay. Okay. I, pl- I play Fortnite, which I probably look too grown to do, but I absolutely like hiding places and snipe. Mm, this is a family show. And, and sniping people <laughs> from a distance. Um, I like I like video games where I can snipe people from a distance. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So the last question is, who plays Naya in the story of her life? And what genre of production is it? Is it oh. a comedy, a drama, a stage play, a musical? <laughs> oh, a musical would be fun. Oh, that would be fun. I think if my life were a musical, it would be like Avenue Q, like that kind of inappropriate musical. Absolutely. But I think if it were, I think it makes the most sense if with my whole life story, it'd probably be a drama with funny moments, like things that shouldn't be funny, but they are funny. Mm-hmm. Um, who plays me? <sighs> Well, it depends. How old am I when this movie comes out? I don't know. How old do you want? I feel like the, I feel like now is a good time, right? Just because like you thought you I feel like the movie should start with you standing in the airport in Thailand with your three suitcases <laughs> in the backpack. In the backpack. You That's know what I'm movie. saying? It's like, just like pans out. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Um, you know, I used to, when I was younger, I used to think Kyla Pratt could play me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely, and then when I look at like some of, like I watched, uh, what was it, one-on-one and stuff like that. I definitely felt like she had a little bit of like the, the spunk to match. The I things could that see I was her, I could see her being like, um, teenage hustler Naya, totally. 
Yeah, I, I could I could totally see that. But now I'm like, well, she can't play the young me anymore. I don't, I don't know. You know, those girls, um, uh, I can't remember the family name. <sighs> they were in Daddy's Little Girls. They sing. They ah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you mean. Yeah, I think they might be able to, they might be able to pull that. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. China McLean, McLean mm-hmm. is their name. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, not China, definitely. maybe the older sister. Possibly. Right? I mean, they're all talented. So like, yeah, I think it could be, yeah, I think they could pull that off. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Ooh, but a musical, I never thought about my life being a musical. That could be fun. <laughs> Ooh, think about that. See, you made it through the lightning round. I did, I survived like 2020. Yay! <laughs> So I listen, thank you for doing this. Um, I appreciate you so much and I love all the stuff that you're doing. And I gotta figure out how to get my life together so I can sit down with you to get it further together. Um <laughs> You are killing the game. You ain't got to worry about nothing. You are killing it out here. I just keep doing what whatever it is that you told told us to do in that first class. <laughs> And it's always for me, I always tell people to just start the thing they say they want to do, because in some cases you don't actually want to do as much as you think you want to do. Some people Mm -hmm. go like, I want to start a blog. And I'm like, write 10 posts. It's always like, write the first five to 10 posts, finish them, put them online. Don't worry about a big launch. Just get those out there. And Mm -hmm. sometimes people can't get through 10 posts because they want to write a blog because it's like four things on their mind. Right. Right. And they're like, they do them and they don't get to the 10th one. Like you maybe don't want to write a blog. Maybe you want to write one long think piece. Maybe you want to be on medium and like write a couple pieces, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to be a blogger because you have a couple of things on your mind that might not be, you know what I'm saying? Your jam. Yeah. But that definitely wasn't the case for you at all. Right. So, you know, you, you're putting in the work, you're being consistent, you're bringing on, like, I'm not saying this about myself, but you're Listen. On, like, you know, <laughs> great people to talk to like the, the content's phenomenal. So like, like I said, your life's together. You do anything, okay? <laughs> so tell me, you were going to tell me something funny about the class. Oh, so the class, you know, the reason I, I'm, I'm even bringing this up is because you know, I think people who are listening to the show, um, there's probably a leap they want to take or something they don't feel qualified or called to do. And at that particular class is a perfect example of something that you might be called or qualified to do that somebody could easily tell you you're not qualified to do. So I taught that class to you on social media, on how to navigate social media, how to use different platforms, how not to use these different platforms, how to do all sorts of things. And there were people in the room, I am sure, who had more followers than me. In fact, at this very moment on Instagram, on my personal account, I still do not have a thousand followers. I have not broken the four figures still to this day at this point. And if I had been like two years younger in my business, I would not have even allowed that opportunity to come to me. I had to talk my way out of it. They could have picked me or chosen me and said, you know, we want you to teach this class because we know that you know how to navigate the space. And they're like, uh, but don't you want somebody with more followers? Uh, don't you want somebody who like, don't you want somebody who, meanwhile, I pitched that class and was mm-hmm. like, here's what we're going to learn. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what they're going to get out of it. And I don't think, most people in the class were checking to see from the jump, like, well, how many followers does she have? Does she even know what she's mm-hmm. talking about? Um, the the sign up list for that class was long. There were people who couldn't actually enroll because it was so full. 
There were people who had worked with me in the office hours who had come to, you know, come to the spot to do one-on-one office hours with me who had gotten advice that they used in the social media space. Cause so many people were coming there about social media questions, which I thought was mind boggling. The kinds mm. of myths that people have been told. Um, but the, the lesson here is like, if, if there's something you want to do, if there's something that, you know, if there's something you believe in, like go for it, like absolutely go for it. Because if I, like I said, if I had been a, two years younger in the business, I wouldn't have even allowed somebody to give me that opportunity, let alone pitch it to somebody, let alone get paid what I got paid to teach the class. I would have let imposter syndrome absolutely win. Um, mm-hmm. And that's my, my biggest enemy. Everybody else's imposter syndrome is like my arch enemy. Like I hate what imposter syndrome does to people. For me, that is the epidemic that I'm personally on a mission to cure. Listen. And I know other people would have seen that opportunity and been like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. I'm not ready to do that. It's not time to do that. But if mm-hmm. that moment is sitting right in front of you, presented to you, if the door is open, how can it not be time? Yeah. Everybody yeah. else is not standing in front of that open door. You are. Mm-hmm. If you weren't supposed to be there, it wouldn't be your opportunity, right? Yeah. But you are standing right there. Mm-hmm. It is your opportunity. Somebody is giving it to you, right? Take it. Take the thing. Go with the thing. If, if you're waiting for what feels like a perfect moment, you won't find it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's some, some people who are intuitive enough to know and, and have been given so many signs that they see this is a great moment, but they may never call it perfect. I think that perfect moments only happen in retrospect. Only when you look back can you see everything actually did line up for this to work out, but at the time it didn't feel perfect because we're looking for the welcome parade. We're looking for a decision and a band outside to be like, this is the time, do it today, girl, you got it. <laughs> and it doesn't happen like that. Then nobody's waiting for you. Nobody's rolling out the red carpet for you to tell you to take the step, right? It's, there are other things in life that open up or that force you into what seems to be an uncomfortable situation. And when you look back, you realize, if that had happened a day sooner or a week later, it would not have worked out. It was actually at that moment, that was the only way it could have worked. We don't tend to see it like that when it's in front of us, only in retrospect. Wow, that's so good. That's so good. Thank you so much. Definitely always taking notes whenever you're talking or you're doing something. <laughs> like you figured out how to do the thing. So like I said, this season, our theme is dope black women doing dope black women things and dope black women things are the things that only black women can do. So from you, like taking Chinese orders <laughs> as teenage Maya <laughs> to, and I think the work that you're doing is just like so powerful. We're helping people figure out their brand as individuals. And then also as a company, I think that's, that's so dope. And that's so amazing. And you're doing it from Thailand, eating all this delicious food, just living their <laughs> best life. My friend was like the other day, she was like, what's a digital nomad? I said, I'm going to have one on the podcast. Uh, (laughs) Because it was like a new concept to her. And I was like, oh, no, there are lots of of black people doing this. And I think a lot of times when we hear when we've heard about it in the past, it's been like, you know, it's a white guy, older white man. Right. Um, And so I just love that there are so many woman, Black woman in this space doing this. And so I'm super excited to highlight, to highlight you. So thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening. I know this episode was a little bit longer than usual, but I simply couldn't make it shorter. There were too many great things or gems that were said that I just really feel like you needed to hear. If you're interested in applying for the scholarship that Naya mentioned, go to houseofbrandtherapy.com forward slash from dash the number nine dash the number five dash two dash consultant dash scholarship dash application or simply just send her a message send send me a message and I'll send you the link for you to apply for the application the program is called from nine to five to consult it and it's all about launching your consulting brand without the struggle we brand yourself as the top dollar consultant you want to be without years of waiting to get paid so it's all about taking the things that you do in your regular nine to five and parlaying it into a consulting career or consulting gigs be sure to hit subscribe please leave me some written reviews as well as be sure to follow me on instagram at dr keisha that's dr underscore k-e-i-s-h-a and i have some exciting news that i'll be sharing with you so make sure you check my instagram and you will see that and remember to be intentional